When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, what's up and welcome in to the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast presented by Visa, a network working for everyone. Michael Beller and Derek Van Riper here with you in another one of our Fantasy Football in 15 shorts, taking a look at the Week 3 DFS slate. DVR, how you doing my man? What's jumping out at you this week? Doing pretty well. It's uh, it's a fun process, kind of going through the lineups the first time, and Friday's about the time I start to feel a little more conviction about the build because you've got more in- injury information. And right. you and I were talking before we started recording, it seems like this year the pattern has been surprising injury information on Fridays as a norm, and that's not necessarily the most fun thing for us, <laughs> but it does create extra value opportunities late in the week and over the weekend that you didn't necessarily see if you took a first look back on Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah, that is definitely not fun, but uh, chief among those late-week values might be Rondale Moore with Cliff Kingsbury saying on Friday that uh, DeAndre Hopkins looking like a game-time decision in one of the five games that has one of the five highest totals on the main slate, that being Cardinals and Jaguars and DVR. It is an excellent main slate this weekend. There are two great primetime games coming our way. Packers 49ers on Sunday night, Cowboys Eagles on Monday night, but we are not lacking for options on the main slate. We've got three games sitting at 55 or north for their totals. We got the Seahawks, Vikings, and Bucks Rams both at 55 and a half. The Chargers and Chiefs are at 55. Then we find those Cardinals and Jaguars at 52. Ravens Lions at 50. Also maybe surprisingly high, but the Lions have been competent offensively in their first two games this season. Which one of these games do you think you most want to circle and find some sort of investment in? Well, I mean, I think that Bucks rams game, and as much as we like both of those defenses, I think those offenses are just going to be overwhelming. So I definitely want to have some exposure to pass catchers in that game in particular. It's nice that both teams have messy running back situations, so it makes it easy to sort of hone in on one part of the game plan for both offenses. Uh, But I do like the Seahawks-Vikings matchup in part because I am always a sucker for Chris Carson as a (laughs) mid-tier running back, Mm -hmm. so I'll probably have some combination of Carson and Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen in a build. Uh, Obviously, Chargers Chiefs looks great. Uh, I'm just looking at this week, and I'm wondering how absurdly high are the winning point totals going to be in tournaments because it's lining up to be just an absolute monster week scoring-wise. It really is, and uh, another one of those late-week injury surprises, and not a huge surprise. We knew Delvin Cook was dealing with something of an ankle issue, but uh, our own Arif Hassan, who covers the Vikings for The Athletic, uh, reporting that uh, Delvin Cook not spotted at practice on Friday. Doesn't mean he won't play, but just something to keep in mind. And you know, something you say there, DVR, actually leads me into where are we spending up this week, because... You say you talk about the Bucks and Rams and having messy running back situations with Daryl Henderson dealing with an ankle injury of his own, and you're not exactly sure what those guys are going to look like when they uh, get out on the field, and so you want to invest in the pass catchers. And then 
you look up and down and it's like there's a lot of teams here in high scoring games that really are dominated by their passing attacks. And I mean, even the Vikings with a healthy Dalvin Cook get plenty out of Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, and Adam Thielen. Seahawks, obviously, that speaks for itself. Bucks and Rams, uh, the Chiefs, the Chargers, even Austin Eckler. We love him so much because of what he does as a receiver. The Cardinals, I mean, they're in there as well. And so I feel like regardless of the players who I'm targeting, I think where I want to spend this week isn't the quarterback in the wide receiver positions. I want to find the Chris Carsons and below to uh, round out my running back position, especially when you consider some of the guys who aren't on the main slate, Christian McCaffrey, Aaron Jones, uh, Ezekiel Elliott. So I think there are ways to get some cheap running backs and really pound those passing games and what we think are going to be the high-scoring games this weekend. See, I feel like you can get good enough receivers kind of in the mid-6K range and under to avoid the very top of the position. And I realize, you know, with the Packers not being on the main slate, you don't have Devontae Adams to factor in. So it was really just Tyreek Hill and DeAndre Hopkins up above 8K at wide receiver anyway. And now we've got uncertainty with Hopkins. I think Hill is going to be more popular than usual because this Chiefs Chargers game should be fantastic. I understand why people would play him. I don't think I'm going to use him. I've talked about this before. I'm not the kind of person that has 20 different lineups. I have more like two to three lineups in most weeks, and sometimes I get up to four or five. But I think I'm living more in the Chris Godwin at 6,100. Literally just clicked on his name as you were saying that. Yeah, like Robert (laughs) Woods is kind of a run back at 5,700. Like Cooper Cup's fine too. Like Cooper Cup at 6,800 still seems underpriced. I just think he's going to be really popular. It really depends on what you're trying to do. If you're playing cash games, Cooper Cup probably a little more appealing. If you're playing a tournament lineup, you probably go a little more in the direction of Woods. I think you could even probably talk yourself into Woods as a cash game play too for what it's worth. But even like Mike Williams. Like Mike Williams is 6,400. It seems like he could still be underpriced based Mm -hmm. on the function he has in the Chargers offense. So I guess I see enough value in that range of wide receivers where my priority payup option is Derrick Henry. I think the the usage is fantastic. The Colts, they're just, they're okay. They're they're not the kind of team that's going to open up a big lead most weeks on anybody. So it could be a great Derrick Henry game script. We could see another 30 carry game from him. He's had a little more involvement as a pass catcher in the early weeks of the season, too. So that gives me another nudge. And I think with Delvin Cook being banged up, even if he goes, we're not going to play him for 200 less than Derrick Henry. Elvin Kamara, probably uh, fine at 8,200 this week. Maybe a little lighter on the usage because that game, Saints-Patriots, is not even close to the the range of these top five totals that we're talking about. So I, I think you can go Henry plus a cheaper running back and then get a little more balance across the wide receivers and end up with a nice bill, but that forces you to go a little cheaper at quarterback, which it sounds like you don't want to do. So I think that's what it costs you really this week is if you go after Henry or if you want to play Kamara, you're probably going to have a non-elite quarterback or a, a fringe elite quarterback at best. But let's revisit those high-scoring games. Seahawks, Vikings, Bucks, Rams, Chargers, Chiefs, Cardinals, Jaguars, Ravens, Lions. If you are... If you're saying you're going to go cheaper, right? If you're going to go cheaper at the quarterback position, but you want to find someone in one of those games, I, I really say that you have, you know, maybe three. I guess you could go four options, right? You could go Kirk Cousins at 63, Matthew Stafford at 64, Justin Herbert at 65, Tom Brady at 68, and even those guys DVR start to get a little bit too pricey. And so then it, you ask yourself, 
Do you want to reach down to Baker Mayfield at 6,000? Do you think Derek Carr and company can keep things rolling with Miami in town this weekend? He's at 5,900. Daniel Jones just had himself a very nice day on the ground. Do you like him at 5,800 against a, a very beatable Atlanta defense in a game where the Giants are favored by two and a half points? I think that's where you have to get to because then if you go down one more tier beyond that, do you really trust Joe Burrow with a banged-up T. Higgins and what we think is going to be a slow, low-scoring game against the, the Steelers? I don't. Definitely don't trust Jameis Winston. Don't really want to get on board with T- Taylor Heineke. Uh, maybe Trevor Lawrence on the other side of that Arizona-Jacksonville game. He's down at 5,500, but it's been plenty of trouble for the Jacksonville offense this season. I guess the one guy who you would really go to if you were going to go cheap, right? To me, it's either Stafford and up or Justin Fields at 5,200. And I have a feeling that he's going to be a pretty attractive and pretty popular play this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe in big field tournaments, the the Bears stack, because it unlocks so much else cap-wise, is going to be something people want to try. But I actually think the Daniel Jones call might be the right way to go. If, you're, if yeah. you have to play a cheap quarterback, especially in, in cash games, you can play him in GPPs, though, too. No reason not to. Uh, the rushing floor. For Daniel Jones is part of the appeal under 6k so you are saving a little bit of money and you can pair him up with Sterling Shepard really affordably uh, I didn't expect to be talking about Daniel Jones and Sterling Shepard both <laughs> under 6k in week three as guys that I was excited to play but when you see how they've, they've functioned as an offense yeah. especially coming out of that Thursday night game against Washington like I think Washington is a good litmus test for if an offense is, is competent or not because they can get a lot of pressure rushing four with that front and Daniel Jones handled himself really well made some throws that frankly I don't think I've seen Daniel Jones make before in that game so I'm trying not to be too high on him based on one game but when I think about the rushing floor the weapons he has at his disposal and a great matchup against the just a piss poor Atlanta team (laughs) it is a great setup for Daniel Jones so I think he's the cheap quarterback that I like the most and I feel like you're not taking on quite as much risk as you'd be if you went all the way down to Justin Fields in that matchup against Cleveland. I think there's something to be said also for that game being something of a sneaky game to target. You can't just build your lineup entirely with players from those high-scoring games. Not only uh, are those games going to be the most popular, and you're going to want to find some sort of differentiation, but the reason that those teams are expected to score 55 or 56 or 54 points between them is because they've got a lot of really good offensive players. It's like actually literally impossible to build your team entirely from that group of games. And so maybe there's an um, argument, excuse me, to be made for the Giants and Falcons to be the highest scoring among those non 50 plus total games, because you look around the rest of the, of the slate and you see Bengals Steelers at 44, a game that we're all expecting to be slow and low scoring saints and Patriots are at 42 again, slow and low scoring the bears and Browns, even though I think there's good reason to be excited about Justin Fields in his first start, that's at 45 and a half. And the Browns are dealing with a ton of injuries on their side of the ball although they are getting Odell Beckham back. Washington and Buffalo, that's at 45 and a half. Washington wants to slow things down. Buffalo just hasn't had that efficiency or explosiveness that we saw from them last season. I do think, DVR, that if you're arguing on behalf of one other game to get into the 50s with the defense that we've seen played by Atlanta and the Giants and the fact that they do both have some impressive skill players, that could be the sneaky high-scoring game on the slate this week. Yeah, and maybe the runner-up if we're looking for someone else uh, game-wise that could get there. I mean, Colts-Titans, those are are two teams whose defenses have allowed 10 yards per attempt through the air so far this season. Both have allowed six passing TDs. Both only have one interception. So uh, I know we're talking about a situation where Carson Wentz with two sprained ankles. Two sprained ankles. How is that that possible? 
Uh, I mean, that sounds like me like walking down the sidewalk at 2.30 in the morning after a couple too many beers and, and tripping over the curb. But right? I, football's a, a violent game. I, I get it. it. Anything's possible. I don't love Carson Wentz, but I kind of love that game. Maybe the, the pivot, if you're listening to what I'm saying about Derrick Henry being mm-hmm. a priority build and you think too many people are on board with that is, well, this is a great week to stack Titans in the passing game. Because everybody else is focused on Seahawks, Vikings, Bucks, Rams, Chargers, Chiefs. So now you're getting a totally different build and you're getting the possibility of two offenses just going up and down the field against each other all day. I think that's entirely possible. So that game has a little bit of appeal similar to the Giants Falcons one to me. Hey, let's uh, speaking of the Giants and Falcons, let's get back to that for a second here. Saquon Barkley. Uh, you know, just and when I was talking about that game, he popped into my mind at $6,500. I mean, I'm going to say at DVR, this is the lowest he's going to be the rest of the season. This is the lowest he'll be. He got a lot of usage in that game in Week 2 against Washington on Thursday night. This is on my, will now be 10 days later when this game kicks off. I mean, everything is pointing to Saquon being back to being Saquon in this game. I think that actually he is probably my point of focus player. He is the fulcrum upon which I am building everything I'm doing in DFS, thinking that he's going to get a ton of run in this game. Are you playing him in cash game scenarios, right? I mean, we play in the pentathlon together. It's just 12 teams. I think mm-hmm. everyone plays it like a cash game. You're trying not yep. to make mistakes. Do you think he's safe enough to be used in those scenarios, or do you see Barkley as kind of a priority play for tournaments instead? I think he's safe enough to be used in those DVR. I mean, he got a ton of work in that game against the uh, against Washington last week. He played 84% of the snaps in that game, 15 touches in that one. And so if that's what we're talking about, him being eased in, and we knew this, we knew he was going to be eased in this season. If that is still part of the easing in process, and now we have these 10 days off back at home against the bad defense, I think we could see Saquon back in that 90% of snaps range. He was, he was, all, he was what, I mean, 84% of 58 snaps he's basically like three snaps away maybe even not that many from being in that 90 plus percent range of snaps played so I think we just see that usage kick up for him I think we get a 20 plus touch game out of Saquon and $6,500 a player like him who still has all that ability um, I really like this guy I I do think he's safe as a cash game play yeah, I mean, I, I get it based on the projected touches. He's kind of in the same range as Chris Carson at 6400 price-wise, 100 bucks cheaper than Najee Harris, a uh, little more expensive than, than Joe Mixon. It is an interesting week at running back because you certainly don't have to pay up for two. Like a lot of times my builds are jam in McCaffrey and Henry, jam in McCaffrey and Cook, get the elite running backs and then go value everywhere else. You certainly don't need to do that. And then the other running back that's kind of interesting because we're thinking about this Chiefs-Chargers matchup a little bit too Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, it's been a disaster yes. through these first two games. He's priced down at 4800 This, to me, is not a cash game play, but a situation where in tournaments I am intrigued because it's a way to get some exposure to Chiefs Chargers that's pretty affordable. I think people are probably going to use him more commonly as an option to run back a Charger stack because that gives you mm-hmm. the most affordable combination. It's so expensive to get Mahomes or Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey or any combination of them that you know, you, if you go the Herbert Allen route, Herbert Allen Williams, and you say, you know what, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to start making it right in Week Three. If you could tell yourself that story, forty-eight hundred is a really easy price to pay. That is very true. I don't know how you tell yourself that story. He's just been what, what's killing me about Ceh is that he's getting no work at all in the passing game. 
And Bizarre. Right? I mean, that's where I thought we were going to see him take a big step forward this year with, I mean, there was a couple of, what, last year, they were using a first round pick on him. And they're, they're, uh, Patrick Mahomes is reportedly beating the table. We need this guy. Look at what he's doing at LSU. And then, I mean, just nothing. And like, they used him in the passing game last year. They used him in the passing game early in the season last night. Where has that gone? He's getting nothing in the passing game. And you know, basically, no matter who you are, if you're in this Chiefs offense, you need usage in the passing game. Maybe we could, you know, build an alternate timeline in which they take Jonathan Taylor instead of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with that 32nd overall pick, and maybe he's making things happen in the in the run game only. But almost everyone needs to be a pass game option if you're going to register in the Chiefs offense. And I can't figure out for the life of me why Edwards-Hilaire isn't even getting the chance to do it. Yeah, nothing in the matchup against Baltimore, but he did get three targets and caught three passes in the matchup against Cleveland in week one. So I'll take that. If you're going to give me 15 carries and three targets at that price in that offense for tournaments, I I get it. I understand why people would do it. Yeah, I mean, I do too. I I totally do. And I've got a season-long team that is desperate for some CEH action this week. And hey, it's a high-scoring game, hopefully. And I really do think that that is going to be one that plays the script. Let's actually wrap it up with that. Let's take a look at those games. Seahawks, Vikings, Bucks, Rams, Chiefs, Chargers. One more time. Look at those three especially. If there's one game that you were going to make an argument for avoiding entirely, which maybe you have to do, right? I mean, if you're good, just the way we build DFS lineups and the fact that you've got a ton of very expensive players in all three of these games. If there's one that you're going to say, forget this one. If it plays the script, I'm screwed, but I like fading this one and getting the leverage in the other two. Which one of those three are you staying away from? It might be Ravens-Lions of those top five games that you mentioned. That's sitting with the 50, and and I'm I'm just looking at the Lions offense. I mean, Jared Goff's weapons right now are are dwindling. TJ Hawkinson's great. I think he's a great value. He's the hardest player from that game for me to stay away from because Mm -hmm. 5,200 for a tight end that could be the highest scoring player at the position this week is really difficult to pass on. You know, Cardinals-Jags, are you worried about the Cardinals offense being too popular if DeAndre Hopkins doesn't play? It opens up all that value with the other pass catchers. There's going to be a ton of interest in Kirk and Moore, right? (laughs) 5,400 and 5,000. Maybe in that case, I'm I'm interested in A.J. Green. I'm not playing the running backs, and it's so hard to get to Kyler Murray at at 8,300. That game might end up being a fade if Hopkins doesn't play just because of what it does, kind of pumping up interest in both Kirk and Moore, who aren't going to be, you know, really, really Mm -hmm. like low-owned, ignored guys anyway, but would be, I think, very chalky if Hopkins can't go. You know what I'm worried about with that game? It's actually the um, Jaguars not being able to live up to their side of this. Like, I could, couldn't you see this game? Like, the Jaguars have been so disjointed offensively this season. The one good thing that they have going for them coming into it is that Trevor Lawrence has taken a lot of downfield shots. He actually has the highest percentage of passes thrown at least 20 yards in the NFL. So, you like that part of it, but like, couldn't you see this game being like 21 to 3? at halftime, and then the Cardinals just sort of going bland in the second half and making sure no one gets hurt, especially if DeAndre Hopkins doesn't play. Like, I I feel like that's where the concern is for me in Cardinals and Jaguars. Not that some of these guys are going to get too popular, but that it just might – it just might fall flat if the Jaguars can't do what we expect them to do. And this is not the Cardinals' defense of last year. This is a better defense uh, this season than what we saw from them a year ago. So they're not going to – you know, like stylistically last year they had to – 
put everything on Kyler Murray's shoulders. And this year, that's not necessarily the case. Obviously, you still want to put a lot on Kyler Murray's shoulders because he's Kyler freaking Murray. But they can do a little bit better defensively, especially against some of the lesser offenses in the league, which Jacksonville, from at least an efficiency standpoint, certainly might be. Like, I'm not looking at what Minnesota did last week and saying, oh, yeah, this uh, you know this Arizona defense is nothing. That's a very good uh, offense in Minnesota with some high high, high level talent. And so it's not like Jacksonville can just look at that and be like, oh yeah, we can beat that defense. That's just that's just a good offense doing what it does in the Vikings. And and I'm not sure that Jacksonville can do that. So that's where I would be worried with the Cardinals and Jaguars. And then I, I don't know, man. Like if I was gonna if I was going to stay away from one of these top three games entirely, I think it would have to be Chargers and Chiefs. Because I, hmm. I, it's definitely not Minnesota and Seattle. Those are bad defenses and good offenses. That's the one I want something in almost no matter what. And if I'm, it's basically a coin flip between Bucks, Rams, and Chargers, Chiefs. But I just trust what we've seen from those Tampa and LA offenses this year to the extent that I feel like I can zero in on the right guys more so than I can with the Chargers and the Chiefs. Well, yeah, and again, cost for the Kansas City offense. Mm-hmm. You know, CEH notwithstanding is, is kind of the, the deterrent there, plus popularity on the Chargers side. So you get leverage right. in tournaments not going after it. But the thing that's still in my head is when we spoke to Daniel Popper a few days ago, mm-hmm. just his description of what the Chargers defense has been able to do just to slow down Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense a bit. That is carrying some weight for me when there are alternatives that should shoot out just as easily. Like that matters to me, right? So I, I know it's always risky to avoid the Chiefs offense they could score 40 on anybody but this is a good week full of alternatives where you can probably live to tell the tale even if the Kansas City passing game goes off yeah I think that's absolutely true and like if 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 Antonio Brown isn't playing you feel very good about Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and they're a whole lot cheaper than you're gonna find Tyreek Hill Uh, with the way the Rams have narrowed out the tree especially if we get a limited Daryl Henderson it's Matthew Stafford Robert Woods and Cooper Cup like there's almost no way to pick the wrong guy and I can't say that with the same sort of confidence when we look at LA and Kansas City so if I'm forced to fade one of those top-scoring games. It will be L.A. and Kansas City, and definitely not Minnesota and Seattle. That's the one at the very top of my list. Want one of those guys. So I guess that makes the Bucks and Rams. What am I going to get my fairy tales right? That's uh, that's that's Goldilocks, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. The Bucks and Rams are Goldilocks, right? The, the Seahawks and Vikings are too good. The Chargers and Chiefs are too unpredictable. The Bucks and Rams right there in the middle. And I mean, if you don't want to end your fantasy football podcast with the Goldilocks reference, I don't know what you want to end it with. So that's what we're going to end this one on. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for joining us here on this uh, DFS edition of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Good luck this week in all your season-long leagues. Go out there and get a W. Hopefully this DFS talk has helped you build the right sort of lineup. Good luck there as well. Thanks for joining us. For Derek Van Riper, I'm Michael Beller, and we'll talk to you all soon.